the heart of the Oregon wine country, you're listening to Season 5 of the Wine Crush Podcast. Stories uncorked for casual wine enthusiasts around the world, featuring winemakers from the Willamette Valley. Sponsored by Country Financial. From origin stories to terroir, here's your host, Heidi Moore. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Wine Crush Podcast, the season finale of season five, which is crazy as all hell. Like, we're episode 18 of um, the fifth season, and I have not added up how many actual episodes we've done, but it's a lot over the last five years, so it's super cool. Yeah. So we have, like, a couple show today. Like, it's really kind of cool. We are first up with Jessica and Peyton West with Approachment Wine, and we are going to head over and speak with Dave and Charlotte after we're done with 14 Acre Wine and... It's an exciting day. We yeah. started with bubbles. Which yes, is we did. Always my favorite way to start. So thank you to Drew and Jessica for bringing over some Harper Voigt bubbles for us to enjoy. Absolutely. Yeah. Congrats on the end of a season. Thanks. Yeah. And thanks for, you know, being part of the last episode of the season, even though you did not know that that was actually technically a thing <laughs> until just a few minutes ago. So now we're honored. Yes, yeah. yes. There we go. Let's uh you guys have quite the history in the wine industry. So you guys have done a lot. You've worked for different people. And now you've decided to make your own project together as a husband and wife couple, which is hopefully it's a maker and not a breaker because men, you know, husband and wife sometimes working together (laughs) is not always a good idea. Um, But I'm sure this is going to be lovely. So let's talk about your past, like, you know, where this kind of all started and where you guys are coming from and where you've been. and, And then we'll move into where you are now. Let's do it. You want to go first? Sure. <laughs> Ladies first. Yeah. Ladies first. Um, I'm from Eugene originally. I worked in coffee all the way through college and was interested in wine. So I at the coffee shop, we started buying wine and I was drinking a lot of wine. I was really into it. And then when you're in customer service for a long time and then you get like a taste of like cellar work or behind the scenes wine work, you're like, I don't really want to be in front of customers anymore. This is kind of nice. So I started taking classes at Chemeketa. I was working at a little tiny winery in Eugene, and I just started to get more serious about wine production and even wine sales a little bit. And so I started going to Chemeketa, lived in Eugene, did the commute, worked at wineries down in that area, met Payton, <laughs> and then just continued to make my way north to McMinnville, where I worked at Bethel Heights, and then I met Drew, and I have been with Drew now for seven and a half years. This will be your eighth harvest? My eighth harvest coming up. Veteran. Yeah. And I just got promoted to winemaker, so. Yeah. Look at you go. I know. This week? This week. Oh, well, see, that's another reason to celebrate. Celebrate. There you go. Yeah. Whoop. Yeah. Okay. I want to back up just a second, because coffee and wine, even though they are distinctively different, you get your snobs in both sides, and there's so much to each of those Thanks. So did you find like a parallel or some sort of connection between the coffee and the wine? And is that maybe why, A, they were selling those together in the same shop, which is kind of weird to me. Right. But then maybe where you drifted over from one to the other. Yes. I mean, coffee was always a craft beverage. Wine's a craft beverage. So yes, I always was a consumer of craft beverages. So they did kind of go parallel for me. And Yeah, I mean, it's annoying to have, like, the morning and the night, like, event space where you're, like, coffee in the morning, events at night, wine. But, like, you know, people need to make money and open their businesses for longer hours and for 
more reasons. So And draw different crowds. Draw different crowds. Yep. So that was kind of what was going on at that point. But yeah, I mean, I was always kind of a, interested in beers and coffees and wine. So yeah, I can, I can be a little bit of a snob too. But Com- not really. Kombucha is such a weird thing to me. I have not hopped on that train. It's pretty gross. I find yeah. it f- quite gross. It's pretty gross unless you get a good one. Okay, well, apparently I haven't found that one yet because I've tried a few and I'm just still not on. I just can't even step foot on that train yet. So yeah. kombucha people, please do not send me hate mail for that because yeah. I will find one I like and it will be fine. But You might just get like cases of samples of kombucha from like yeah. all the... All the Oregon producers. Right. I do have one of my family friends that makes kefir, kefir. Oh, yeah. Kefir, yeah. and yeah. it looks amazing. I'm too chicken to try it. And it's she really good for you. That's what they say. Yeah. And I but it's just, like homemade by your friend, right? But it's like she, a yogurt She actually milk. commercialized, oh, okay. commercially gotcha. makes it now. And it's it's beautiful. Yeah. She does a beautiful job and has been very successful. Yeah. Yeah. Successful. But I just haven't. She hasn't asked me to try it because my worst and biggest fear is me hating it and then having to tell her that. Yeah, that's not good. And no. if you have any sort of dairy allergies, you're in trouble. That I don't have. Oh, I good. mean, which is lucky because I was a dairy girl, you know, oh, growing up on sure. a farm, drinking milk straight out of the bulk tank. Perfect. So then you're golden. That's like super sacrilegious to be a dairy <laughs> right. farmer's child, right. but highly allergic to lactose. Yeah. yeah. So I don't have that. Don't have that, thankfully, because I can still enjoy my ice cream and milk and Excellent. all that. The cheese. Good things in life. Yeah, of course. So, okay. So <sighs> let's move on to, well, continue back since I interrupted you so yeah. rudely. Um, and we went completely sideways for a while. But so... <laughs> You've just been promoted to winemaker, mm-hmm. so you're with Drew Voigt, yep. uh, with Harper Voigt. Yep. Let's talk a little bit about that because Drew is custom crush, so he's making wine for several different people, including himself. Yep. And so what have you picked up from that? What have you learned? I can only imagine it's a plethora of oh, things. Oh, so much. I mean, basically, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, learning, picking, vineyard management, a lot about Pinot Noir, a lot about Chardonnay, a lot about just management of fermentation, chemistry. Pinot Blanc, too. I mean, Pinot Blanc, yeah. bubbly. I mean, it's everywhere, and I still have so much to learn still. But, yeah, it's a lot. I mean, and Drew is just this wealth of information that it's intimidating to be around him sometimes because I'm like, oh, my God, shit. I don't, I don't even know what you just said. So <laughs> I have, like, I have to record him or write down stuff because it's so much. But, yeah, I mean, I feel like I've learned – so much like client about winemaking. Too, I mean. Oh, client management, logistics. He has a plethora of knowledge and kind of like a modern day legend. Definitely. I think in the wine industry here locally, just because of what he's doing and kind of what he's managing and what he's kind of created with, you know, everything. Yeah. We've done several podcasts with people where I really thought they were making their own wine. And come to find out, it was Drew that was making their own wines. No wonder it was so great. It happens quite often. I mean, there's like 16 different brands out there that all have their stamp on them. So Yeah. 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 It's a lot. It's pretty crazy. But I can only imagine you've learned what you do like and what you don't like because you're making so many different styles of wine. Yep. And working with so many different varietals. Yep. Is there one that's like your favorite? Well, I love bubbly. Obviously. That's a a hard one not to love. But I I mean, I really, truly love Pinot Noir. Like, that's probably my favorite outside of like a champagne-style wine. But like, also love Pinot Gris. Why we make Pinot Gris, but yeah, it's hard to choose a favorite. But Pinot Noir seems to be like the my favorite overall. It's a good answer for the Willamette Valley. Yeah, it, it yeah. really is. I mean, yeah. I get asked that too, and I'm like, gosh, that's a hard question, and you almost worry about saying that it's not Pinot. 
and right. offending somebody. Right. And so a lot of times I just plead yeah. the fifth and call it good. I'm like, I really like a good IPA. Sure. Yes. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, when we go to Washington or California and drink all of those amazing bigger red wines, we're always just like, please give me a beer or a Pinot Noir after this or some bubbly just because it's like that's comfortable for us. That's what we're used to. That's what our palate's like. So, And it gets overwhelming yeah. when you are drinking big reds like that. Like yep. uh, for me, a little bit goes a long way. I love for it. Sure. I enjoy it. But They're sometimes, lovely. Yes. Yeah. You need to kind of almost palate cleanse and like come back a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And Pinot Noir is kind of like you can just keep the train going for a while. It's a daily drinker. Yeah. yeah. Yes. All day drinker maybe for some. Yeah. And it makes great bubbly wine too. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. Okay. It's your turn. Okay. Yes. Let's start with your story and then we'll merge back in the middle. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, so originally from Texas, but I moved here when I was about four or five years old. So I'm really more of an Oregonian than anything. I grew up about 500 yards away from a winery. It's called Natalie's Estate Winery in Chehalem Mountain. My family had six acres of property there. And so during like the summers, I would work in the tasting room and then I would work harvest to just kind of like make extra cash. At the time I was studying music pretty much full time. So I ended up going to Berkeley College of Music and getting in and going for a grand total of like five weeks, six weeks, and realized like the entirety of what I wanted to do in my dream of like being a musician was like, I don't, I don't really want to do this very much. And so I ended up coming back. I called my dad and I was like, I know you're about to spend like so much fucking money on this. <laughs> and I really don't want to like have you spend all this. And then me realize I don't want to do this like for the rest of my life. And I just loved music so much. I'd been studying it since I was five. And I just dedicated like my whole life to it. And I was just hit me when I was there. I was like, I, if I do this, if I go to school and become a professional musician and a songwriter in music business and production, I'm just going to like, I'm going to hate music. I'm going to hate it. And so I came back and my dad was super cool about it. I came back. I worked in some recording studios for a bit to kind of give it one last little try. And then while I did that, I was still like working at wineries because I could sell wine. And so I was working in tasting rooms. And then in like 2010, I worked Harvest at Pinner Ash. And that like was the game changer for me. It was just over. And that was like back when you had to like interview for an intern position. They weren't just like readily available. You. Yeah. Yes. And like no disrespect to anyone that's like an intern right now. Like we all love you and you know, come work <laughs> for us. But it was very different. Like, you know, the demand for people now is like severely high. And so back then it was like it was a big deal to just get an internship there. And it was like 30 people I had to like interview and talk to and you know and i just got lucky and lynn Pinnerash just beat me up and whipped this 21 year old kid into shape brian irvine as well and he was the assistant winemaker at the time and they just solidified it all for me it was i mean it was kind of like all this physical labor science agriculture art creativity just all of it like that i felt like i was missing from music and i didn't feel like that i would ever stop being passionate about it and i could also sell it so i was thinking okay well the music problem was I couldn't sell, I felt weird about selling my own music. It felt sleazy. So, but I was like, with wine, it doesn't feel as sleazy. Maybe, maybe it is. I don't know. But I tried, I tried, tried to not be. But anyway, it just kind of like checked all the boxes. And then I 
started going to viticulture school. That's where Jess and I met. We were lab partners and in chemistry of wine analysis and musk. See, it all starts with the lab partners. Yeah, yep. well, we have good chemistry. Yeah, yep. yeah. And I just just want <laughs> to know, just like, cheesy as all hell, but I, nice. I work. said that so that <laughs> someone none, has to so say that it. None of you guys could say it. I wanted to be clear. It's a horrible joke. It's a shit joke. But like, I had to get it out there before one of you guys said it. Yep, okay? gotta get it out. So you there. just gotta wipe it off. <laughs> yep. So, nope. You it's rolled done. it. You rolled it well. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice job. Yes. But I hate the joke. I want to be clear on that. Okay. So anyway, so we. I love it. That's that's you laugh every time. Every time. Um, so that's where we met and we moved in together in McMinnville and I got a job as assistant to Isabel Detart at DuPont and assistant to Suzanne Baldwin, who was her assistant winemaker at the time. And I just got to work with this super amazing, you know, kind of Veronique Druin-esque burgundy trained winemaker and mostly Pinot Noir, a little bit of Chard, a lot of Malone de Bourgogne. And that was that like the next step. And then after that, actually via Jess's boss, Drew said, hey, Isabel Meunier is looking for an assistant winemaker. You know, do you know anyone that'd be interested? And Jess was like, yeah, I mean, Hayden would. And I met her. Um, I had one interview with her and she offered me the job like within three or four days. And the next thing I know, I was over at the Carlton Winemaker Studio with Isabel Meunier as her assistant winemaker with along with Anthony King and Wynn Peterson Nedry and Maxence Lacat at the time was double zero. And like all these just incredibly like Andrew Rich, all these incredibly talented people. And as amazing it was, as it was, like, the schooling experience at, at Shebecta at the time, like, the best thing out of that was that I met Jess. The best thing at the studio was not only just Isabel, but, like, it's a whole university of wine on another level. Like, it's just 15 very talented winemakers under one roof. And as someone who was just ready to absorb as much information as possible, it was just, like, poof. I mean, it was an incredible seven years of just learning and asking questions and working really hard. And then after that, I, Isabel was like, you got to flap your wings and shoot out. And so I took the winemaking position for Fela in Oregon for Aaron Jordan. And then I just left that this year to go to Benza Vineyards to be their winemaker. And that's where I am. It's pretty incredible. You just named off like several who's who of Oregon wine. I mean, between Isabel and Wynn and Anthony King and... Blah, blah, blah. I mean, both of you. I mean, you're working for some of the best of the best. Lynn Penner Ash. I mean, come on. I mean, she's one of, you know, the OGs of oh, yeah. women, women winemakers. Yeah. yeah. And I've heard nothing but amazing things about really most of those people that you just mentioned. And They're so truly incredible. And just and just to be clear too, I mean, I I didn't work for those, you know, Wynn or for Anthony, but at the studio we all work together. And Wynn and Anthony to name a few, were so incredible about sharing knowledge and they recognized that I wanted to learn. And so like, even till this day, I mean, I have this nice little kind of, it's all my starred contacts on my phone. And I'm like, they're, they're these are my favorite people in the business because they are humble and they're kind and they care about quality and they know what they're doing. And so, yeah, it's amazing to be able to reach out to them when they have questions. And it's weird, like now sometimes they'll text me or we'll we'll have multiple questions and it's like, how did this happen? Like, how did I get here all of a sudden? And it's because of people like that, that were talented enough to give me a shot and also just be humble enough to share that knowledge in a very kind and generous way. And I, I admire all of them, especially Isabel, for sure. I have never met her. I Her name comes up all the time. Um, and <laughs> yeah. so one of these days I will cross her path. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the one thing that I love about the Oregon wine industry, because even like when I started with what I do six years ago, 
outside the podcast, it was always amazing to me who actually picked up their phone right. and would give me yeah. would give me the time of day. Yeah. Like I had zero clout on any level to right. have anybody pick up the phone. And I had held people like that all in high regards. Right. Wynn was one of them. Oh, yeah. And I was really almost intimidated to call her because I'm like, yeah. but it's Wynn. I mean, she has <laughs> such this great name on top of it. You know, yeah. I'm like, Mm, she won't have anything to do with me. And she's one of my starred contacts oh, yeah. as well. And she's I know awesome. she makes pretty rip-roaring, kick-ass oh, yeah. peanut butter cookies yep. that oh, we yeah. have discussed several <laughs> times now between her and Andy Lytle. She and also makes killer bacon. They cure their own bacon and smoke it on the trigger. And it's okay, like, she hid that secret. So good. Okay, I'll be so texting her when she we're done. She gave me some during definitely. the pandemic and it was amazing. Okay, well, yeah. apparently yeah. we're not that good of friends <laughs> since I didn't get any bacon, but you yeah. know, there we go. No, she's super, she's she's great. Yeah, yeah super down to yeah. earth. There's yeah. so many amazing people in the industry and I'm blown away literally every day by who I come into contact with and how gracious they are to me because I'm really a nobody in a big school of fish and they don't have to talk to me, whether it's about wine or about podcast or insurance or whatever it is that we're talking about, they don't have to, and they all do for, yeah. the, for the most part. Yeah. There's been a couple <laughs> turds in the field, but you know, we don't talk about I them mean, it's necessarily. Just, it's, it's just wine, you know, yeah. it's like, it is just wine. Yeah. It's not like everyone, they're all Mick Jaggers or something yeah. or Britney Spears's, you know? Yeah. But they're all, I mean, from the outside looking in, they are Mick Jagger and Britney Spears. They're all this rock star kind of status looking thing. And you yep. know, and I think that's where I was really intimidated is because I just really saw them as these bigger than life personalities. Right. You know, the, I don't know. They're just, super normal though. I yeah, mean, they're they, just normal they're people. Super like, they're super normal and I just, people. I love them all. So. It's funny that you bring that up because when we first moved to McMinnville, you're not going to like the story. Um, <laughs> I think I know where you're going with it. Uh, Mimi Castile, I had reached out to her to be like, hey, I'm moving to the Valley. Like if there's any job openings, blah, 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 blah. Like just put my name out there. And randomly, one day I get a phone call from Anthony King. And this is like before we yeah. like worked anywhere, really. And Peyton's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Anthony King. Oh, my God. Oh, I can't believe he's calling you. This is crazy. Oh, my God. Anthony like, why King's is he calling, calling you? you? Why yeah, is he calling yeah, you? And yeah. I was like, I don't know. And he had a position available in the tasting room. And like we chatted. And he was just like, I can't believe that Anthony King has your phone number. <laughs> and like all starstruck. <laughs> And now they're I like was. best friends. Yeah, <laughs> he's another one I have not met, but oh, he's, he's, he's 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 on the list. He's, he's incredible. Yeah, if yes. you could get if you could get Anthony in here, you should definitely do it. If you can somehow manage to pull Isabel, she doesn't like to do a lot of press stuff. Or she actually just did, I think, her first podcast though. Or maybe it's her second. But I could put it in a word and just be like, <laughs> "Hey, Izzy, you know, I think you should try to do this podcast. It's really fun. You can drink sparkling wine because she just doesn't really drink a lot of other than like beer and gin and tonics and bubbles. I but can make her whatever she wants. If you, I, I mean, yes. she's a blast. Yes. She is an absolute blast. You have no idea. You just opened up a can of worms for me to <laughs> use, use and abuse you. So <laughs> No, no, just I'll I'll do an introduction. Yeah, no, that yeah. would be great. I can't I, guarantee anything. And she nope, might have ever okay. talked to me again for doing it, but it's worth a shot. It's, it's worth a shot. I, I'm not terrible. So yeah. well, it depends on who you talk to. But you know, that's a yeah. whole nother problem in a whole nother podcast. So, yeah. okay, let's talk about you two now coming together as one to make this new project, which is exciting. And we're going to drink the bottle of your wine here in just a little bit. But there's still bubbles in the bottle. So we've got to finish those first. Oh, sure. Fair enough. Yes. Okay. So why Approachment? The name, the idea behind it. Who's in charge? Who is the boss, by the way? It's me. Smart man. Yeah. Amen. Yep. Um, so Agreed. 
I guess you are better at telling the story. No, 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 no. I, I think I think that the stories intersect really well. But yeah. our so my training in winemaking is pretty modern with Drew. Peyton kind of has been trained more like French Burgundian, very like reductive style Pinot Noirs and Chardonnays. And we wanted to start a brand where we could like put both of our approaches to use. So that's where we came up with approachment. Plus, it was a word that like doesn't exist anymore, but did exist. And we're like, that's easy to say. It's, you know, it's a little like long, but we liked it because it was hard I to use our dad names. Came up, did yeah. my dad come up Payton's with it? dad came up with yeah. it. So we we liked it because we're like, oh, we can kind of take it all kinds of ways. And so we chose that. And then yeah. that's sort of, yeah, it's kind yeah. of simple. Yeah. And, it, and, and the definition of it, again, it's not a word that's used anymore. Like it's a very old word. But it's about coming towards something and taking things in multiple approaches, which is exactly what we're trying to do. And in this project, I mean, I'm I'm very much the best friend, co-owner, and supporter, and Jess is the winemaker. And I think it's the wisest decision I've ever made because Jess has a very specific skill set that can be applied to making a very interesting wines that aren't necessarily as relevant in the marketplace. And Jess happens to have these kind of proprietary techniques that she's learned from Drew in the course of, you know, working with many different types of skin contact wines. And the Pinot Gris is, is this really spot on one if you do it correctly. And if you don't, it's overly phenolic and it's weird and it's a disaster. And Jess really wanted to like have approachment be, you wanted everything to be like. Modern, clean. Clean, modern, like yeah. a very like affordable, like over deliver on yeah. quality and like under deliver on price. Because yep. we, we drink. I'm I mean, into Tuesday night wines. Like, I want to yeah. have a Tuesday night wine for everybody. Yeah. And, like, it's a screw cap. You don't have to think about it. Whatever. Yeah. And it's delicious. Yeah. And, and it goes with everything. And or we, nothing. We have a cellar. I mean, we have a great cellar, but we like to drink things that are affordable, you know, like most people do, too. And so we don't bust out the really expensive wines very often. And it's nice to try to make something like this. So Jess wanted to do something that was just have a brand that was never have approachment be too over the top, like what we do at our day jobs, which is like, you know, 50 to $120 wines. And it's like, we wanted, she wanted to do something that was very specific and potentially do other varietals like Grenache and Gamay and all these things. And to be fair, like I, I love that you want to do that. And I'm here for the ride and to support her do it, but that's her skill set. That's certainly not mine. And so I kind of know when to be like, silent. Yeah. Do, it's also, yes. I mean, it's yeah. also a little bit of a learning curve for me because I have fun making Pinot Noir and Chardonnay and expensive at that, but it's also fun to be like, what can we do with Grenache? Yeah, totally. And what can we do with Gamay? And like, yeah. let's play a little bit and do some fun things that's like on my dime and nobody else's. And if I mess it up, it's all me. It's fine. But I won't mess it up. But No, you won't. It is fun to just all. play with other things and like experiment and try to make a really clean, fun wine and just have my own creative process. Yeah. In the meantime. And it's really exciting for both of us to, you know, I mean, we're both winemakers and, and we certainly have our, our own opinions and we clash at times with what we want to do. But the beautiful thing about having Jess be the winemaker for it is that when she comes home during harvest and, and you're like, hey, you know, I, I'm at this stage with the Pinot Gris. I think I might want to press it or, you know, the Grenache is this way or, or whatever it is. We get to sit there and like brainstorm and have a glass of bubbles and like talk about it. And then the best thing for me is like, I don't have to go do it. <laughs> like you have to show up the next day and do it. But it's also great because we come to kind of a consensus and like a consistent idea. And it's better that one person 
takes that idea and runs with it than it is to necessarily have too many cooks in the kitchen and be like fighting over the pump or fighting over how things work or whatever it is. It's just way better to collaborate in that way, I think. Yeah. And then let you execute it to kind of that brainchild way that you want it. And, yep. and so far, you know, like it's worked out really well. Yeah. And that's kind of the reason why we started it. We wanted energetic wines that were affordable, that are different, that can fit into a marketplace where, you know, like it's not really a rosé and it's really not a Pinot Gris. Like it's a skin contact Pinot Gris. Sure, it looks like a rosé, but it's not, you know, it, but it's also not a rosé. And so it giving, <laughs> you know, giving like when you think about sales of wine, giving you know, the retailer or a distribution company or whatever it is, like we're, we're not distributed, we're too small for that. And we, and we might not be, but it gives people opportunities. Like you're giving them more of a sales opportunity. You're giving them options instead of being like, here is a 2018 Willamette Valley Pinot. It's like, well, this goes straight on the shelf next to all the other Pinots from Willamette Valley. And not, not that there's anything wrong with that. Like, that's what I do like every day for <laughs> a very long, for like 10 years, right? But that's what's cool about this product is it kind of conquers two different little categories and people can receive it and go, I don't know if I should put that by the Pinot Gris or by the Rosé. And then they go, oh, we'll put it in both. And it's like, well, now we have double the exposure just because of making that choice. So I think that's pretty rad and a great idea. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Yeah. And I'm assuming that's what that is that was is sitting in the refrigerator. Is, yes. Yeah. You know, it, <clears throat> because it looks like a rosé. Yeah. And yeah. I think I even called it that. Yeah. And that's but I didn't okay. You can. And I didn't even bother to look at the label to see yeah. actually yeah. what it was. It is not an orange wine, though. No. Got to make not. that it's not. Pink, not an orange that's wine. Probably yeah. why I just. And there's sulfur in it, too. Just yeah, so you know. And I used yeast shame, shame and stuff. I know. Yeah. There's sulfur in that wine, too. It's not natural. As it won't give me a headache. I I am totally fine with it. All. It won't give you a headache. No, there's not very much. You drink three it. bottles of it, it will. Um, this yeah, is true. Um, yeah. He knows yeah. from experience. Yes, yes. I um, <laughs> probably had one of the worst hangovers ever. Well, and I didn't even deserve it. I had literally like a bottle. I did have a bottle, but of really good red wine, and it was terrible. So it was. Got it. Yeah. I'm not even sure where it went wrong the night before, but it did. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So terrible timing. Girlfriend's wedding, best friend's wedding, and I'm just like, Ugh. so <laughs> yeah. I, I was a rough cookie that day. Yeah, that's really fair. rough bridesmaid. So where do we find what you guys are doing? We're officially sold out. That's a problem, but it's harvest a problem. is right around the corner. Yeah. So yep. um, bottling for the 22 February, is already right? scheduled for late January. So late January. Yeah. Wow. I don't mess around. Yeah, you don't. I don't waste any time. So yeah, there we and we wait a few weeks to release just so that wine has a little bit of time in bottle, but it will be available again in February, end of February. At approachmentwines.com. Yep. Yep. Do you have um, any new things going in a bottle this year? Yes. yes. Grenache. Yes. Uh well, not this year, but yeah, for 23, Grenache will be going to bottle. Yeah. And then also Peyton's going to make a Syrah yeah, from so, a really awesome vineyard. Yeah. Well, th I mean, the Grenache that Jess is getting is from French Creek. French Creek Vineyard. Which Yakima. is a dope vineyard. And it's all head-trained vines. And it's super fascinating. Really old vines. I mean, the trunks are like this big. Where's and it at? It's in Yakima. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that that's pretty rad. Yeah. And then I just kind of lucked into this opportunity. I don't know how it happened. I don't know why I deserve it. But... Uh, <laughs> We, we were taking a trip, actually, a road trip with Drew and Tara. Tara, uh, Tara is Drew's girlfriend. And it was just the four of us. And we were doing a quick little road trip up to Walla Walla. and Touring the vineyards. Touring the vineyards that we were there getting fruit from, Jess getting fruit from. And we stopped by this beautiful vineyard called Lake Helene. 
And I had heard about it, but I'd never seen it before. And it's this, I think it's like, two. is it 250? It's huge. It's, it's like over 200 acres for sure. And Brad Sorensen, the viticulturist for that entire site, it's like the only site he manages. He was driving us around and we're like going up this vineyard. And on the left-hand side, it's like there's this block of Syrah that just sticks out like a sore thumb. I mean, it, it's not like it, there's no hedging at all. I mean, just the, it's literally like you're looking at a forest and then grass. It's forest wacky. and grass. And I was like, oh, Brad, what is that? He's like, that's Syrah. That's block 50. That's like some of the most coveted Syrah. Like there's a waiting list for this. It's really rad stuff. And I was like, so asking him about like, explain to me why you're not, you know, training the vines. You're just basically letting them, you know, canopy over and kind of do a curtain. And he was explaining that it's, it's very much just an experiment. And the people that make wine from this say that it is because it's more shaded and they're just kind of let everything double canopy over that it provides very aromatic and interesting kind of whole cluster styles of Syrah because the stems can lignify because they're out there longer because they're not just baking in the sun for a really, really long time. Then you have to pick it. They hang for a really long time. And so I don't know. I was just fascinated by it. And I talked about it obsessively for like a week. And then we just and got a phone call. in front of Brad. He was, and in front he of was Brad. Yeah. very excited. And then I got a phone call and he was like, hey, I have uh, like three tons of this available. Do you want it? And I was like, is <laughs> is this, can I, like, is this just a, a yearly thing? He goes, no, it's you, it's yours. And I'm like, okay, so I either like die or don't pay the bill. And he goes, yeah, it's hundred percent yours. And I was like, uh, yeah, I'll take it. And he goes, do you want to know how much it is? And I was like, uh, probably, <laughs> yeah, I probably should. And then he tells me and I'm like, that's oh, fine. We'll do that. That's great. And then I had to tell Jess and she was kind of like, awesome. And I was totally, <laughs> I'm the guy that spends money. So I was expecting Jess to be like, you did what? <laughs> not a fucking gin, man. Like you have so many shoes. You can't do this. Now you want this vineyard, like Amphora. Come on, enough's enough. But anyway, long story short, we're getting Syrah from Lake Colleen Block 50. And that's going to be put into a separate brand that's under the approachment hood, but it's called Audio Vine. And it's going to be a section of our lineup that where I'm the winemaker for it. And Jess is the best friend and co-supporter and co-owner. So we'll I trade off. I love this little holding yeah. of hands with this. Yeah. yeah. And that will be, yeah, Audio Vine. And that will be Chardonnay and Syrah. And that's all I'll do. And so it'll be this very affordable, energetic, super functional wines. And then a little bit of stuff that's a little bit more high priced and smaller case production that we'll, you know, have fun with. I love it. So that's the exciting stuff. So did we tell everybody where to find you? Yeah, approachmentwines.com. Or, or did I like cut you off like no, no, halfway through? No, we have Instagram. We, I mean, yeah. I don't know if we can find the wine anywhere, but. You can find us on you Instagram find us. at okay. approachmentwines and online You can like put it on your calendar for like yeah. mid-February to yes. reach out and yeah. get some bottles. Don't follow it. Like, don't go to Facebook. Like, just go to Instagram. That's all I'd say. Do I don't we know. Have we Facebook? have a Facebook. I hate yeah. I don't like Facebook. <laughs> you got to cover all your bases, There's purposes for it all. Do we have a Twitter too? No. But I okay. should. We should. No. And if you get on the mailing list, there are perks. And subscription offerings Ooh, and services. I like perks. Yeah. yeah. Perks are good. Yeah. Okay. All right. That is awesome. Okay. I'm going to switch questions here at the end instead of desert islands. I just want to know what your favorite wine and food pairings are. Like, I love this because it can go so incredibly um, interesting and off the rails. Mm, what do you um, think? Well, I tend to drink a lot of bubbly wine, so... I go the like fried chicken popcorn route with that. Oysters. Ooh. Oysters, of course. Okay. I dig Stinky it. cheeses. Kind of the basic stuff, but I mean, approachment Pinot Gris is made to pair with nachos. See, so that is fun. good information oh, yeah. to have. Yeah. It's true. Because nachos are delicious. Yes. I would do, I'm kind of a, like a trash panda, but I, I would do. <laughs> 
honestly, like Chardonnay, a good like reductive style, crisp, clean Chardonnay with not too much oak and either jalapeno Cheetos or Cool Ranch Doritos. You guys are such cheap dates. I love oh, this. Oh, yeah. 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 We're well, not, not like, really. We're like not oysters. like foie gras. And, I mean, that's like, good, too. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. No, there's nothing wrong with that. I can do that other one every there's, night. You there's know? a time and yeah. a place Oysters, you are on the, in the Pacific Northwest, so oysters are not that expensive. No. Yes. Uh, you go to Chicago, so I'm Til- I'm Tillamook girl. So, oh, yeah. like, knee tarts for me and knee tarts oh, yeah, oysters yeah, yeah, are, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. home for me. And you can get usually, well, you used to be able to get a bushel for, which is, like, what, a nine dozen or something like yeah. that for, like, a hundred bucks. Yeah. Sweet. And I think I was in Chicago at a sushi restaurant, and it was a dozen of them for, like, $160. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I about shit. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, yeah. are you no. even freaking kidding me? Like, we no can way. get half the ocean for that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Yeah. Yes. Love yeah. that about Oregon. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I'm loving the nacho Doritos and the nachos in general. And yeah. Don't forget the Cheetos. Uh, Jalapeno Cheetos. I'm not underrated. A cheetah. I'm not a Cheetos, girl. What about those Dots pretzels? Oh, oh yeah. Those, those Dots pretzels. Crack. Are, yeah. Those are way crack. Crack. Actually, so yeah. sidebar, and I have to do this because Dana was just on the show of Coquina Wines. Shout out, Dana. I love you. You're awesome. <laughs> we love her, too. Uh, Dana and Nicole. So they worked harvest for me and basically saved the whole show in 2021 at Fela. And they introduced me to those Dotties or whatever they're called, addiction pretzels. Yes. And they are fully responsible for- For my addiction. For our addiction to them. And so just want to say like, screw you for that. Yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> and Dana. also I love you, but screw Nicole. you for that. But they're, those are amazing. And also great with any wines, basically. Anything salty and fatty, it'll, it'll be yeah. fine. Did I say uh, that weird? That last like fatty? fatty. I said fatty. It like that. That, was, that was very prissy. Yeah, it was. was yes, yeah, little, almost like a British. Like I like, slid into like, yeah, yeah an alter ego like, of some weird thing. Like totally, you know, hailing the queen to a certain weird. extent. Yeah. Okay. I'm tired. Well, yeah. <laughs> this okay. has been an exhausting experience. <laughs> yes. Your last 30 minutes. You can, see, we have the napping couch in the other room, so you can go it's take— perfect. No, yes. I want to hear, hear what these guys have to well, say. Well, I would hope so. Of course. That's the polite thing to like, do. It's like, all right, and then just take off. That's a dick thing to do. I'm interested. I'd love the fact that you just said that. Yes, yeah. you're you're so you're so correct. That would be a dick thing to do. <laughs> yes, it is. So okay. Yeah. You too. It has been real. Yes, it has. I Likewise. want a bottle of that Syrah because yes. you are speaking my language from top to bottom with that. So you I got can't it. can't wait to see it. Yep, so my pleasure. Um, thank you as always, and for being like the finale of you know, the finale. Yeah. Thanks so, for including. Thanks us. for ha- yeah. Yes. This is great. Yeah. Cheers this to is you super guys. fun. Yeah. So okay. Next right. up. Sounds good. We got the next guys coming up. Okay, we are back with guest number two. We got Dave and uh, Charlotte Reagan with 14 Acres Vineyard up in the Battleground area, which is just such a treat. I'm glad you guys actually braved the construction, for one, because there was a crap ton of it from between here and there, it sounds like, and lots of delays. But you made it. Made it on time, kind of. But you're here, finally. Yes. We're here. And did you know the finale? This is like a special episode. No, but as a Hebrew proverb has once said... We've saved the best for last. There we so. go. There we go. <laughs> There's no confidence or arrogance at all in that statement, So, which I'm so glad. So uh, um, your story is of interest on so many different levels, and I don't yeah. want to start with the winery right away. 
because you have probably one of the craziest stories I've ever heard of stepping into a vineyard or a winery operation, but you have a very interesting day job and like pre-day job that I think we need to start with and how you kind of got into the wine side of it anyway. So let's kind of start from the beginning. Do not miss the interesting part in the middle, and then we will go into the wine. Okay. Because you tried to skip over that when I was out at the the vineyard. You skipped <laughs> right over the top of it. I'm like, dude, there's got to be way too many stories in that. We can't miss that. Yeah. Well, I'll just first start off by saying that if we were writing a book about taking over this vineyard, it would be how to not shit your pants in 30 days. So, there we go. Because we literally took over two days into harvest. I mean, we the keys were handed to us and it was like, time to harvest. And it's like, ah, oh. so we have 10 acres planted on 14 acres. And we've got 10 varietals on there. And it was just like we, Charlotte and I, when we had first initially put in the offer for 14 acres, we were hoping that we were going to have like a, I found a consultant and I was hoping he was going to be actually present there on site, like during harvest. So that's why I said, it's like how to not shit your pants in 30 days. So it was, uh, it was pretty intense. So but how we actually came to there, because I'm sure you want to know the story about the vineyard, or you want to know my day job before I wanna, the vineyard, I want to so. know your day job before it, because nobody, very few people are born into the wine industry. They yes. come from somewhere, and it's usually somewhere interesting that has nothing to do with wine, yep. which is 100% where you started. Yep. Yeah. And so uh, I own a, I still own it. I own a bail bond company. And so I've been in bail bonds for the last 15 years, and which is interesting all by itself uh, because I go from, you know, and I, I, for 15, 20 years, I've also been doing the, like the fugitive recovery end. So like I go out and arrest people like who have like warrants and stuff like that. So I've gone all over the United States sent some of my agents to like Europe to go arrest somebody and bring somebody back. So it was quite an interesting Transition. Transition, yeah. This going is like, from like <laughs> Pacific Northwest dog the bounty hunter kind of <laughs> yes. thing is what it sounds yes, like. Yes, yes. <laughs> now serving Merlot, so, you know. <laughs> so it's and like learning you, how to. Y- yeah, and so, you, so it's like going from like serving high-risk warrants at like one in the morning looking for, you know, Tommy Two Teeth and his, you know, and his, <laughs> and his buddy Timmy the Tweaker. So it's like serving these high-risk warrants to like, now I'm like, you know. Making, how do we prune? Make, like, <laughs> how, how do I... <laughs> How do I make this tempranillo like more fruit forward? You know, yeah. so it's <laughs> not just, knowing it's, anything. Yeah, it's just an interesting switch. And but a so, fun switch. Yeah, it was definitely. It's been really, really fun. So I've always been into like wine. I love red wine. Back in 2008, I really got into wine pretty heavy because I had a spiritual experience, and I kind of wanted to cut my drinking down. And just and I thought, well, geez, you know, beer. I just pound those hard alcohol. I I just get silly out of control there. So I thought, well, Jesus made wine, so I'm going to give that a shot. So then I started drinking. That's seriously how I started drinking red wine. And I'm like, okay. And I just started falling in love with it more and more and more. And my uncle was a huge wine connoisseur. He's been in the wine business for, well, he's been in the restaurant business for 40 years. He also dabbled and he's got several different friends in the area that own vineyards and in Seattle that own vineyards. So he's made wine with them before. And uh, Elko Vineyard, he started with the owner of that company, uh, making wine with him just kind of checking, you know, seeing how he makes the wine process. And so he, he's he been pretty involved and he's been a pretty big influence in my life as far as uh, how the vineyard goes. But we came to the vineyard because we moved into the area. And this so is that the- property this is right next door. Close to it, yeah. Next door within walking distance. And so mm-hmm. 
Uh, so we started coming into the vineyard because we were building a house real close by. And we stop and grab something to eat, yep. and we bring we'd our, go in there our and children because it's family friendly. Yeah, and so then we decided to. Uh, I got to know the owner, found out that it was for sale, and we decided to talk like, "Hey, seriously, should we buy this? Like, let's talk about this." And when we first wanted got, to get out of the bail bonds, yeah, I totally want to get out of the bail bond business. So we were looking for a new yep. business, and and so when we got married, though, the funny story is we were talking about finding some property to build on that we could, you know, build the builder, find a barn, renovate it, and she could do the weddings and focus on all that. And then I was like, and I can plant a vineyard and make wine and sell it to everybody. It was everybody. more like a joke. Yeah. Well, no, it was serious. <laughs> well, it, was serious it was serious, but because it was we were looking like, for that product. It was like a dream. Yeah, it was a dream. Yeah. Yeah. There, there wasn't, wasn't a, joke. a lot of reality yeah. to it. Yeah. yeah I was yeah. Like, it was always like, you know. It's on the it's on the bucket list, but we were yeah. looking for property to yes. do that. To, we were looking for property where where you know we could find a barn or a building that was somewhere located on the other end of the property and then our house could be on one side so it's you know so people weren't walking by our house all the time so anyway so we started building this this property we started going into the vineyard and we well, the wine was so so you know and the food was like yeah but the grounds were beautiful we thought it had a lot of potential and so it was we, right next door yeah it was right next door too so we started talking to the owner and we said Hey, we're pretty interested in this. Sign a non-disclosure. We kind of started going back and forth. I, I started becoming very interested. But you're missing a huge piece. Well, I'm gonna get to that. Okay. So way to keep them straight. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. We we got it. We're we're, we're telling we're the simple story here. Okay. Yeah. We're bu- we're building up, which is the simple story. Okay. Yeah. So, so then, uh, you know, I got interested. Started showing up, helping the the owner out, like watching how he makes wine, watching what he does in the cellar. Just kind of tagging along, being a seller rat, and and then we started really digging into this whole thing about what you know vineyard, you know winery, like uh, and so we found a consultant. His name's Rich Cushman, and so we actually that was an accident how we found him. We were just out in Hood River on Mother's a, Day. You know, on Mother's Day, he has a tasting room out there. I saw in the back of his sheet that he's made wine for dozens and dozens of you guys places. Clicked, yeah, and-, and he just we clicked real well, and I just asked him. Would you ever be interested in consulting? Like we're getting ready to buy a vineyard, and you know I've been shadowing the current owner, but we want to do things completely different. And your wine is fantastic, and so he said, "Yeah, I'd, I'd totally be interested in that." So, so yeah, so we made the offer, and then I don't know five, six months later, it was accepted. And then, like I said, we you know we had the keys handed over to us October second, October third, October fourth. We're harvesting, and I'm just like. Oh my and God, we didn't what know we what yeah. it was the year that it was that really hot summer. <laughs> yeah, it was 112, 115 yep. degrees. Yep. 2020. In June. Yep. 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 And, and 2021, actually. Oh, 2020. You're yeah, right. 2021. 2020. And in our area. We had that ridiculous heat wave. So they call it Satan's bubble. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It made the production of the grapes like twice as much, two times fold. And so when we got in there, we were overwhelmed because the harvest was just yeah. The owner said it was the it was the, it was the biggest, biggest harvest, harvest he ever had, had in fifteen years, and we had just signed. So and we didn't know we didn't have any people to harvest. He didn't even didn't. have the infrastructure for that level of harvest. So I was just using macro bins to ferment. We just had throwing sheet covers over them, and you know, family bed, bed coming covers. out and, and children helping us pick. Yeah, <laughs> and we were like, "Can you help us come over here and?" Help us pick this these grapes. We don't know what we're doing. Help yeah. us, you know. And so, 
Well, our har- we had a harvest crew, but they were committed to other wineries. Yeah, because it's the so, same crew that floats around to all the wineries. Sure. And very so, com- yeah, very common yeah. to have that whatever. And you have to kind of be on the schedule on the list. Yes. Yeah. And for when them we to stop at your it, place. it was right during the peak. Like it was go time. Yeah, they were they were harvesting everywhere else. So we were just like scrambling trying to get Calling people because the rain and started family moving in. And, mm. and all of a sudden mold starts appearing on the Chardonnay. You know, and so like just, you know, a little bit here and there. So I'm like, oh, shoot, we got to we got to harvest this right away. One would question your sanity on taking over uh, a winery, even with experience the day before harvest. Yeah, we had oh no God. experience. Yeah, so you oh were starting God. at like we were literally just like, OK, zero. here we go. We got to research. We got to find people that we know. Well, I and- wanted to harvest it like weeks before. I mean, it was ready to harvest. I mean, the, the bricks on our converts demeanor was like 26 27 on the Gewurz and like the Pinot was in the 24 range. I mean, it was, it was beautiful, you know, but then the rain was getting ready to move in and I was like, really, and I was, you know, I'm trying to tiptoe around the current owner. Like, well, you know, we just hadn't done that exchange of keys yet. So. uh, And it was full board. Like when yeah. we stepped in, it was full board. It was like pedal to the metal. Kind yeah, of, yeah. You it was, know? because it was, it was a just double like harvest. And it was just. I was pulling 14, 15 hour days. And we're I coming mean, from Bail Bond. Yeah, and background. My, and, and my and my consultant. Yeah. <laughs> okay, my, who can we call out of jail to come over here? <laughs> well, my uncle was. Um, he was pretty. You know, he he's got a lot of wisdom, a lot of knowledge. So he was kind of. He was helping me out, and then my consultant, like he and I'm just just studying as much as I can, trying to, okay, what do I got to do? Make sure the yeast, look at this, uh, inoculate here. And And then my consultant, I was hoping he was going to be there. And he just like, he caught, I'm like, Hey, we're going to harvest. Like we got to harvest now. I got all the pickers. Like, are you going to be here? He's like, I can't be there, but listen, you're going to make it. You're going to do all right. Just you'll get through this. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) bye. (laughs) It's just like, Oh my God. I just, Sweat pouring down. It was, it was insane. What yeah. did we get into? It was, really, it was just a really scary thing. So I thought I had it all planned out. Thought we, had, you know, and then all of a sudden we took. And you realize you know, how much you don't then, know. Yeah, we realized how much we don't know. So, you know, and we, yeah, we're new owners in the vineyard world and the winemaking world, and so yeah, we we but jumped we hired in headlong. Really good people to yeah, help us. And we had really good people. The, really, the harvesters came by, and we got everything hammered out, and we got everything processed, all the grapes, and through the east end and let those babies take off. So And you've yeah, survived. Exciting. Yeah. And we got And it through, was a yeah. huge learning curve. Like yeah. it was it was a huge learning curve. Yeah. A lot of miracles just happened there. Like, you know, I'm just like But it was a we ran into, you know, Rich. Yeah. That was Yeah, he showed up after everything was done. So it's just like but yeah, he got me fixed up. The the biggest thing that he did during harvest was he got me all the right equipment. We switched yeast. We used some different yeast, different nutrients. So we went through a different process a little bit than than what I had on hand. So I think that was a game changer for like our whites was just how we really handled and treated the whites because that's what previously our, the reputation for the winery just kind of was struggling as in the white realm, which are equally as important as the reds. So that's sort of the superficial story, right? As to how we took over the winery. Now I'll kind of jump, unpack like the deeper level of like the significance of 14 acres in the name and where that came from and the winery even itself. So I had a, it's a combination of you know, two God dreams and somebody kind of showing up and, you know, a pastor from another area in 2017 I, and a dream started in 2015 and somebody in 2017 and another dream in 2018 about 14 acres. So the first dream was about 14 acres, like in the dream, like 
God just appears and asks me, like, do you want, what do you want? Five, 10, or 14 acres? And I'm like, I want 14. I want big. <laughs> so there's that. And then I had a, you know, in 17. So I started looking for, like, lightly looking for 14 acres. After we were married. Uh, no, I was looking before okay. we were married. And then in 17, I actually had a friend of mine who was a realtor. Like, I'm like, hey, I want you to start looking for 14 acres. I know it's kind of weird, but just look for 14 and he's like, well, not 15, not that. No, 14. I just really Which want that. Which is really, it's not a very common. Yeah. It's an odd, it's an odd number. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's an odd number. Yeah. Usually yep. they're divided, subdivided into like, you and know, we were looking for property. After five, we got 10, married, we were 15. looking for property out in Richfield. Yeah. And but before we got married, before you and I got married in yeah. 17, I had assigned it to a realtor friend of mine and he was looking for 14 acres. And then that same month I was, I was at a friend's. Uh, youth conference and I met, he's like, Hey, I want you to meet this guy real quick. And he didn't, the, my buddy didn't know anything about the 14 acres. Then he introduces me to this guy and this, he's a pastor. He's getting ready to speak. And he's like, Hey, Joe, pray for him. And so he just had like a premonition. He's like, I don't know why, but 14 is like really like God is really highlighting that number to me right now. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, that's really crazy. Cause like, he didn't know that I, I had just assigned my realtor buddy to look for 14 acres on the money, you know? And so then in 18, a friend of mine has a dream from Kenya and he says, Hey, I, I had a dream that you found this property and it was the 14 acres that you were looking for, but there was a building on it and like the roof was so damaged it needed to be like removed, like demoed. And I was like, huh, that's weird. I, you know, I'm still thinking, keep in mind, we're still thinking this is for our personal property. We're not thinking like a business or anything like that. So this is, you know, now we're in, um, we get married. That was when we were married in 18. So I'm like, okay, so that's when we started looking for the 14 acres. And then we got a little bit more yeah, aggressive about it. Yeah, I kind of got upset because he didn't want to buy anything but 14 acres. I know, it was a little, <laughs> and a little I was obsessed like, about okay, it. Yeah, this is just a little it was unrealistic. like the self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. You know, I you found know. a really pretty piece of property. I'm like, no. Hey, honey, no. can we buy this? No. No, it has to be 14 acres because yeah. of all the <laughs> dreams that I've been having yeah. and been given. Yeah. And so I was, he would actually have me go up to... Other people. So I had another realtor friend of mine print out a list of like how many properties there are in the county, like with 14 acres. There can't be that many. There was only 17. That yeah. Had so like, he had me go up to their house. But they're residential. And knock on their doors. <laughs> yeah. And, and say, I was Do rolling you my sell? eyes the whole time. Just like, are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. <laughs> you know? And I, I knock on some old lady's house and be like, hey, do you want to sell 14 acres of this? Because I want some property. Well, your property, yeah. And my husband won't buy anything but 14. And there was no go. Off of a list, it was though. Just, like we went yeah. off the list of like, but we were looking for residential. This isn't zoned residential. So it's. It, and we kind of just gave up on it because we spent so much time, you know, looking for it. It wasn't happening. Yeah. And then I ran for office in 19. I ran for city council in, in Vancouver. And, you know, we stayed in the city. We stopped our search for like looking for property out in the county. Uh, I didn't win that race. So after that, I was just exhausted and I was just overwhelmed, tired and just thought, and you know what? And we found a let's beautiful just... piece. Well, property. I said, let's get some acreage. Okay. Maybe yep. 14, maybe that's another, maybe that's 20 years from now. Let's just get some acreage. I'd be happy with one acre because our neighbor at the time was, you know, five feet from the side of our house and you could reach out the window and pass them the sugar. We were just in like one of those little subdivisions. So I was like, let's just get out of the city. I'm tired of it here. So we found some properties and decided to build. And then lo and behold, the vineyard was right next door. And we thought, oh, that's so cool. And then when we found out it was for sale and well, how much is the house, how big is the property? When we actually started 
talking doing about it and yeah, doing it. research on it and signing non-disclosure. It's like, oh, it's you know, it's 14 point something, but the point something, it's like 0.4 or 0.6, but it's the 0.6 is the shared easement between all the neighbors. So the actual property is 14 acres. Yeah, so you asked a, me, honey, do you want to buy a winery? And I'm like, how much and how many acres? And you're like, 14. I go, you got to be kidding me. Well, when we started, we started <laughs> Are you kidding talking me? about This it. is in our back door. <laughs> It was brought to us in our back door when I went out searching. We are like ready. Like all the time, searching for this acreage. <laughs> and it's in our back door. Just, sometimes you just got to let things happen. <laughs> and so, it happens. Yeah, yeah. And it was right there. We had already been talking about it, though. And then, like, later in the non-disclosure and, and the finances, I told her the size of it. And she's like, 14? Are you 14? Are you kidding me? Are you serious? I'm like, yes, 14, yes. Yeah, no, let's not get And he's excited. like, well, what do you think, honey? Yeah. I go, well, we don't know anything. Like about the wine business. We don't yeah. know anything. But apparently it's worked and, out okay because you have a really nice lineup of wines. Because yeah. I came out to hang out and it is a beautiful piece of property. Lovely little pond, really nice. We've done big a lot barn. of hard work though. That's yes. been a lot of work. Yeah. But it, you have, I mean, your tasting room is really super um, cute. Yeah. Really, did a super, remodel. Yeah, really super cute. But when you started lining up the wines from the back of the the table, it was like it kept going and going and going. And so I want to make sure that we're giving lots of love to the wine that you guys are making and and tell everybody what you're doing because every time I talk to you, it's like. Dude, the Marquette is tasting so That's good. That's my favorite. It is drinking <laughs> so good. That's my favorite good. is the Marquette. And there's yes. usually like a, dude, you've got to try the Marquette. Yeah. So. Yes. Our Marquette. Guess who did not bring the Marquette today? I know. Guilty as charged. Oh my gosh. I well, was, we were harvesting it I was it harvesting today. it today. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's the so, first one that comes into season. I didn't want to give so. you the 21 when we've got 22 just okay. coming up around the corner. Yep. So. Next time you're in McMinnville, so now we you know where the office is. Getting yeah. it ready yes. today before we came here. Yeah. The Marquette is definitely our knight in shining armor. That's our flagship. It's what we do real well that nobody else does. So, And let's and, talk about Marquette because it's yeah, not absolutely. like your normal varietal of Pinot or Chardonnay or whatever. It's a hybrid. Yeah, it is a hybrid. And it actually is like the great grandson of Pinot Noir. So. It is somewhat in the family. And it comes from Minnesota. Yeah. So it was developed by Dr. Marquette in 2006 at the University of Minnesota. And he was tinkering around and he wanted to make a hybrid that would do well in Canada climate. That's where it was really targeted. And so they, you know, they have a traditionally cold climates. And so, you know, grapes just couldn't ripen well enough in certain areas in Canada. And they also were, you know, fighting powdery mildew. So he came up with uh, a few clones, bred them. It's resistant and, yeah, to that. And that's resistant, yeah, to, to, to powdery and mildew. The, and, mm-hmm. and it does um, extremely well. Yeah, it ripens real early. I mean, I, I think I we pulled it today and it was around 26, 27, probably 25 on average because some of it was 24 bricks. So it, it just does really, really well. It's got the color on it. It's fantastic. It's like a medium-bodied uh, wine, like a, you know, close to like a Merlot. But it's just so unique, and that's the words of everybody else that comes into our winery. Is it's the most unique wine out of all your lineup. I mean, our yes, our Cab's fantastic, our Merlot, our Pinot's good, our Syrah, um, yeah, our Syrah's good, but the Marquette is the most baby. unique. Yes, and that's something you can't even go to Total Wine in Vancouver, and Total Wine's huge in Vancouver. You can't even go to Total Wine and get Marquette, which is really awesome. It just makes us a one trick pony. So. It's a really good grape. I love it. People, when they have it, they're 
that, I mean, I had hoarders last night. I spoke at a wine association meeting and I had people who'd never had Marquette and they were coming up and buying half a case and several people, about a, you know, 10 people. So it's, it's definitely, it does real well. It just does real well in this climate. Matter of fact, actually, because of the rain, uh, the wet season that we had, the wet spring that went into like June, especially in Vancouver, it went into, uh, in Ridgefield, that went into June with all the rain. And most of the vineyards that I know of, minus one, uh, have really struggled with powdery mildew, including us. We really had to get a hold of some more aggressive spraying uh, techniques in the last month because we were really fighting powdery mildew. Because in our area, we couldn't get, I couldn't get my tractors up any of the rows. And so by the time we kind of figured out like, hey, we, I mean, it looked okay back then. And this is another one of those learning lessons where I'm like, well, get a backpack sprayer and walk up with a backpacker. We're, we're getting control of it now, but in the areas of the, of the vineyard where we we're struggling with powdery mildew, there was not one speck on the, on the Marquette, hmm. not one bit on there. Yeah. The Marquette has done fantastic. So it's, strong, yeah, yes, it's it really, really holding strong. Yeah. So, yeah. So how are the whites? Because I know you said with the previous owner, there was a little bit of struggle with the whites. How are the whites now? Um, they're fantastic. Fabulous. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they're yeah. great. I love uh, it when you have a really nice mix of white and red because not everybody is a red wine drinker yep. and mm -hmm. not everybody is a white wine drinker. So, you know, sometimes you have people that, you know, can go back and forth and some people are very distinct on not drinking red wine and it's usually because of a myth potentially. Um, <laughs> but it's nice having a really nice lineup of white wines. You've got to have a good lineup of whites. I mean, I love white wine. The white wine that I'm most proud of that came out real well is our Chardonnay. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, Chardonnay is a really delicate grape from what I've come to understand. And the Chardonnay that we had previously is, you know, Three Brothers wine before we changed our name to 14 Acres. I had to take all of it off the tasting menu because it was just, I mean, I had three vintages and I've got palettes now that are just kind of sitting, but it's just not Chardonnay that I would ever drink. So I immediately had to take that off. So we were pretty limited and then we were running out of good, well, I shouldn't say good, but we were running out of decent white wines. So by the time my wines were done and ready and I had labeled, I mean, I can't tell you, like literally we had one case of Riesling, 2018 Riesling that was okay, that was decent to actually put on the tasting menu. We literally had one case left before my labels for my 21 Riesling arrived and like I was putting them on there. I was like, oh, praise Jesus. Literally, and like putting it out on the floor finally. I mean, it was like one miracle after the other. For me, I like, I, I want to make sure that people know, hey, these grapes are like here. You know, if we have them here on site, will you grow all these on site? Why don't you have any Gewurztraminer? Well, the Gewurztraminer is not that good. And all oh, the Chardonnay yeah. is not that, you know, it's, it just wasn't really up to par. So, you know, because a lot of people, we're the second largest vineyard in Clark County. So people actually come to us because they want to see the vineyard and they want to taste the wine there. That's kind of a unique spot that we have out in Clark County. So, so yeah, so our Chardonnay, like that did pretty well. And uh, funny enough. And the Pinot Gris yeah, the was Pinot excellent. Gris and the Riesling out of the park, yeah. was. The, the, the Pinot Gris is just, it's spot on. It's just amazing. And so and is the, the Rosé. And the, the Gewurz is a classic Gewurz. Dry, nice, spicy. It's fantastic. And the Gewurz is for our wine club members only, though. There's a red and a white that I keep just for the wine club members only. So. And when my consultant finally showed up after all, the, he showed up probably about a month after harvest or so, and he checked all the wines and he's like, these are good. 
He's where he was like shocked and I was like, oh, so, so I, I did good. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. Uh, I mean, it was super funny. He was very shocked that he's like, I thought these were going to be way worse, especially being your first vintage. So it, it was like, well, great. That, that's a little, compliment. I'll take little, it. A little pat on the back. Yeah. I'll yes. take that compliment. So. It's um, it's really a beautiful site out there. I mean, like I said, the tasting room is super cute. So you have a front area and you have a back area. But what you guys have done outside with your venue, as far as like the music and everything else that you're doing, it's really stunning out there. Like you've done such a great job. So yeah, huge kudos to the both of you. Most yeah. of that's Charlotte. Working. So you can ask her some questions now yes. about what she's doing with the decorating and the grounds and the flowers and yeah, it's, you've done a great job. So it's so pretty out there. I want to talk about your music series. Are you done for the year with that? Yes. Yeah, we oh, So bummer. Oh my gosh. That was dude. the first series since COVID happened. So yeah, yeah you yeah. have a great stage and a great yard. And for we remodeled the stage the, for The that. last concert, we had a Journey tribute band. We had 1,200 people out there. How do you even fit that many people out there? I bet your neighbor, do your neighbors we were We could have, we, we could have easily, we could have. We fit have a about, good relationship with our neighbors. Yeah, we do have a good our relationship with our neighbors. Are neighbors. Yeah, very yeah. good. I had to, I had to take a few. Uh, we've got kind of like an old World War II vet who lives like lives right next to the vineyard, and he's like, I can't do anything right with him. But he had a previous feud with the uh, previous owner, so I, I just couldn't do anything right with him. But finally, like towards the last, it went from the county like knew this guy and like was. Like they had always sent like code enforcement out there and the police and all these. Pro I mean, he was just kind of a. But that was previous owner. Yeah, that was the so previous owner. There was just a, a rectified drama. Yeah, but towards the end of the concert, like the guy was like, "Hey, you can park people in front of my lawn and and uh, one well, of the we code give them enforcement free tickets to get in. And yeah, baby, yeah, and when they come in, yeah, we just we just take care of all the neighbors and try and get everybody in the neighborhood like in supportive. And I, we let all the neighbors come to the concert for free and. You know, so yeah, we had 1,200 people though in the last concert. We definitely could have fit in about 1,400, but I was a little scared about the parking. We had about 600 cars on site. So it was pretty wild. We went through two pallets of Pinot Gris in two months. So like during those concerts and then two pallets of Rosé and I mean, it was just flying out the door. It's pretty crazy. So that's impressive. Were, that's a yeah. good way to get you know sell wine. And it was a huge <laughs> yes. learning curve. Oh, yeah, so we've never yeah. done a concert series before. Yeah, well, actually, you guys have learned all kinds of things yeah. this year. Most yes. of that wine was sold in the last three concerts. Correction: the last three concerts we sold two pallets, and well, about a pallet and a half, and then the rest was like bought in the tasting room. But yeah, it was pretty crazy. The concerts were, they we did We started very, out with one well. bar and then ended up with four. Yeah, we started the first concert, we had one bar and, you know, some people buying drinks here and there. And, but then the last concert, yeah, the Journey Tribute Band was, I mean, that one was wild. And we had to have five different bars and it was a good time. It was, uh, I mean, people just, because we've done so much to the property. I mean, it's ridiculous how much we've done to the property. Like we've cut 20 trees down and turned it into wood. Like we have a cedar a table trees, like that. Yeah, cedar, cedar trees. trees we turned into furniture. Yeah, turned into furniture. Um, so we had the a vineyard could be have more sun. Yep. And I took all these trees down so that all the grapes could get more more sunlight to make better wine. We redid um, the barn. Yep. Redid the barn, we renovated the barn, rent paved, the barn. paved the whole road. That was another reason why all the neighbors just love us because we paved the entire road, Gravel which is like road. 1,500 feet. Of driveway and paving uh, is so cheap. Oh, it's so cheap! Crazy. Oh my yes. gosh! Yeah, remodeled. I, I'm stage. married to a contractor that does that, <laughs> yeah. so I know exactly <laughs> how cheap know exactly. it is. Oh my yes. goodness! Yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, yeah. And we've it, added a 
fountain feature. Yeah, we yeah we added. We've just done a we lot. Just to remodeled beautify. the whole inside of the winery and opened if, the tasting. If you go room. to my Instagram, I did a reel on it when I yes. was there a couple months. Yeah, fabulous. Was, that was yes, sick, yeah. and it really kind of gave a really yeah. nice kind of view of the you of know the pond you of everything. So yeah. you no, know, I had to yeah, start now practicing my skills, which yes. are not very <laughs> good. No, that's good. You did great. Everybody thought it was. I was like David. We need to hire her to do that more often. I'll just stick with your insurance. It's just better that way. <laughs> so, um, I want everybody to know where to find you. Now that we have t- completely like blown up how beautiful it is out there, yeah. Let's tell everybody where to find you, both on social media, physically, online. Where do you buy the wine? All that good stuff. Yeah. So it's fourteenacres.com, and then also we have and uh, fourteen is not spelt out. One four. One four. One four acres. Yeah. One four acres.com. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we have Instagram and then Facebook. We switched we're everything out in over. Battleground. Yeah, we're, we're Ridgefield. Ridgefield yeah, Battleground. Ridgefield Battleground. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. kind of in that area, but it's actually the city is Ridgefield, Washington. So, and then we're, we just switched over to Activate for all of our uh, e commerce. So, they're, just this morning, I had a Zoom call and we're getting all of our bottles updated and connecting the e commerce to our website. So, right now, they just have to call in if they were going to call in right now in this moment. But probably a few weeks from now, our e-commerce should be connected where they could go to 14acres.com and then click on our inventory and then go right to our bottles. But yeah, especially for the Marquette. I mean, that's the one thing. If you've never had Marquette, you definitely have to try our Marquette. It's fantastic. There we go. Now we know. Ask for the Marquette yeah, you know. and then go from there. So yeah. <laughs> that's the first bottle to put in your cart. Yep, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we have several, and our labels are sick though too. They, you they are. You have you great labels. We've worked really yes. hard on our yes. labels too. Yep. Yes, we I like really great labels. labels. Yeah. Yes. And I just did a tribute label, which I wish our audience could see. Oh, this right no now. kidding. Have, I, have I, Shay take a picture of that. Yeah, I just did a tribute to my grandfather, who's like my father, and so it's called Cuvée Faye, and Faye is nicknamed for Rafael in Spanish because I'm Puerto Rican, and so he was born in Puerto Rico, raised in Puerto Rico, and but my mom moved over here when she was 19 and my grandfather followed. And so my grandfather was like a, a very important figure to me, very much a father figure. Um, well, he it's was a like my dad. To him. So yeah, so we did a tribute to him. And so it's called Cuve Fayer. It's a Tempranillo blend. So I took a little bit of a estate Tempranillo and I took a little bit of estate Cabernet and I blent it with a little Columbia Valley Syrah and boom, we're in business. And I it's, like it's it. delicious. Yes. I like all of it. Yep. Well, there are so many reasons now for people to come find you. And I thank you so very much because you are truly the finale of the finale since you're the <laughs> last interview of the entire year. Season five, episode 18. God, I got it right. And I really appreciate you guys driving all the way in from Ridgefield. Ridgefield. I want to yep. keep wanting to say Battleground. It is and then Battleground. I go, we're it on is the Battleground. border. We're it on the border. I was though. going Battlefield because <laughs> I have now hey, that split the difference. So, <laughs> you know, I am. Um, so anyways, thank you two so very much for so many different things. Thanks and for having us out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This was fun. I was, I really wasn't sure if you were going to make it today, but, um, and I don't know why. It, because you've Harvest all, season. Harvest? It's, it's harvest yeah, season and you're so far away <laughs> and. I was so tickled when you said you were on your way and you were coming. So thank you both. Thank you all. Oh, I forgot the question. Uh-huh. Um, so I asked them about food and wine pairings. Yes. So we can't let you off the hook. Yeah. Usually okay. I ask you a much more difficult question and we're not going to do that today. We're going to talk about food and wine because I'm hungry. And so, oh, man, and I'm, we're I, yes, inspire me to <laughs> cook something. So what's your favorite food and wine pairing? You're kind of new to this whole um, industry as a whole, even though you've been drinking wine for a while. So hit me with it. Um, I guess I'll go first. I love 
street tacos and tempranillo. I don't know why. It's a good it's combo. Just, it it really I I for some reason because we had a Mexican food vendor at all of our concerts, and I was just my go to. I was like, oh, I want some tempranillo with this. Is it, it carnitas just, or is it chicken? Yeah. Or well, he'd switch it up above? every week, but it was like the asada mm. and the carnitas were both probably the carnitas were best with the with the tempranillo. But I also like the asada too. If you had those ones too, so I just I don't know. I just got hooked on it every week, and I was yeah. like. That sounds delicious yeah. to me. Okay, Charlotte. I would say the same for me too. Oh, that's kind of a boring answer. You yes. have nothing better. I mean, <laughs> we know, had Doritos, Cheetos, and popcorn yeah. and nachos. She likes the honey. You like rose though. You I like, do it's really your, like that's rose why you the, a lot. Yeah, that's why you named the wine after yourself. It's called Charlotte's Rose. Well, the staff <laughs> so. did that. I didn't name it after myself. <laughs> the staff came up with that, but. I thought you yeah. came up with that with no. the label designer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll take rose and tacos too. She's that's, got yeah, a sugar. That's good. She's got a sugar tooth. I do tooth. have that's, a, a sweet tooth. She's and it's got more a sweet. massive sweet tooth. So, yeah, and I don't so. know how she keeps the figure that she keeps because it's some like, people are genetically lucky. I just look at a muffin and boom, like the muffin top. The muffin top happens. Yes. It's just another button breaks on my just by looking at a muffin. Oh, you know, well, so. you know, not all of well. I'm on the muffin side of you. So, yeah. you know, good for you. <laughs> so, anyhow, okay. Right. Now it's time for tacos and nachos and Doritos and Cheetos because, you know, I've got to have I've, those. I've heard it's amazing. So, anyhow, thank you all for absolutely everything. Here's cheers to season five, and we will be back cheers. soon with season six. Yay. Yay.